1: Good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News, live from our studio here at number 11, Dr. Moti in Andabraka, Accra. My name is Zoe Bedu adwa I'm here with...
2: Kwaku Edwia Ansah.
1: Coming up.
3: The minority therefore wish to call on government, particularly the Minister for Defence, the Minister for Interior, and the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, to as a matter of agency constitute an impartial Credible investigation into this dastardly act.
1: Minority in Parliament condemns alleged torture of suspected illegal miners arrested on the concession of Anglo Gold Ashanti and demands an independent probe. Also coming up. I'm at pains to relate to these
4: details because she's now saying that leadership has not been backing here and that we have been witch hunting here. I'm surprised. I think it's the most unfortunate and regrettable statement for my I have sent numerous messages, over, over 20 messages to Adwoa, the past woman that she has not responded to.
1: NPP in Parliament expresses disappointment over witch hunting allegations leveled against them by MP for Dome Kwa-benya Sarah Adwoa Safo. They have described her recent action as unfortunate as attempts have been made to reach her without success. And later, 24 hours after Swami residents angrily pelted sachet water their MP Che Mensa Bonsu, over the poor nature of their roads, government lays a commercial agreement in parliament for the construction of the Swami Interchange. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and other stories on eyewitness news and in business.
5: Stakeholders within the financial sector call for the maintenance of the current policy rate to stem inflation.
1: Nettely Nete joins us in the next 50 minutes for more in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of our affiliate stations in the western region we are on adjempa 100.7 fm in takwa beach fm 105.5 fm in Takwade. in the bono region greener 95.9 fm in sunyani ashanti region adjempa 99.9 fm in Inkaria. heritage 107.3 fm in Hohoi. freedom 88.1 fm in sugakope which is in the volta region in the northern region, Radio Gaki, 88.3 FM in Saboba. Upper East Quality, 88.7 FM in Garu. Ganga, 94.3 FM in Jirapa in the Upper West Region. And in the Northeast Region, you can hear us on Nobia FM, 98.1 in Rigu. Around the globe, you can catch us on citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome through our WhatsApp line, 549 The hashtag is... City Newsroom. Kweku has a first story.
2: A very first story. The minority in Parliament is demanding an independent probe into allegations of torture meted out to suspected illegal miners arrested on the concession of Anglo-Gold Ashanti last week. According to the ranking member on Mines and Energy Committee, John Ginapur, the military perpetrated the act that leaves much to be desired. Addressing the press in Parliament, John Ginapur condemned what he calls the selective treatment of foreigners as against Ghanaians in the fight against illegal mining.
3: Disturbing reports on the treatment method out to suspected illegal miners who were arrested on the premises of Anglo-Gold Ashanti, a mining company in Oboise, by military officers. We are well informed that on the 15th of July, the military arrested some suspected illegal miners on the Anglo-Gold field and subjected them to torture inhumane treatment, abuse of their human rights, amongst others. The minority find this development most unfortunate, disturbing, and we strongly condemn the use of brute, excessive, and disproportionate force in the so-called fight against illegal mining. This flagrant disregard of our laws and constitution under the Akufuado-led government is most unfortunate and must be roundly condemned in the strongest terms possible. We find this incident despicable. We find this incident unfortunate. And we find this incident highly reprehensible. Even more disturbing is the fact that the Akufuado-led government has remained mute following this incident. This is a heinous crime meted out to ordinary Ghanaians. You and I would agree that the level of unemployment is at an all time high. And so, even as we claim that we are fighting against illegal mining, it ought to be done in accordance with the law. We would not countenance any attempt by this government using military force to brutalize, maltreat, and subject ordinary Ghanaian to inhumane treatment. Even as they do this, they have turned a blind eye to foreigners. Whilst they are chasing Ghanaians, pursuing Ghanaians, and brutalizing the ordinary Ghanaian, foreigners are always being treated with kid gloves. And in some instances, the law is compromised to favor these foreigners when they fall foul Within the laws as far as the mining sector is concerned, ladies and gentlemen of the press, you will recall the infamous incident involving a Chinese galamse queen known as Aisha Wang. Following her arrest for her involvement in illegal mining, rather than prosecuting her to serve as a deterrent to others, the state unilaterally and surprisingly discontinued the case in court on a very flimsy and baseless excuse, as was said by Mr. Osafo-Mafo, that Ghana stood to have economic gains from releasing the suspects. This clearly demonstrates the double standard being practiced by the akufuado led government. The minority, therefore, wished to call on government particularly the Minister for Defense, the Minister for Interior, and the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, to, as a matter of agency, constitute an impartial, credible investigation into this dastardly act. And whoever is found culpable must face the full rigors of the law. Ghana is governed by the Constitution, we are governed by the rule of law, and the minority would not sit on consent for some few people to mishandle and demean the very basic rights of the ordinary Ghanaian.
2: So, you have the ranking member on Mines and Energy Committee, John Jinapo.
1: Let's speak to the national president of the Consent Small Scale Miners Association, Kojo Pepper. He joins me um, on the telephone. Good evening, sir. Has this issue come uh, to your attention?
4: Uh, when the issue happened, We were there to ascertain the problem.
1: When
4: did this happen? It happened uh, during the weekend. Okay. You know, the exact place that they were caught mining is an abandoned uh, pit for over 60 years. I think they stopped mining in that enclave over 60 years ago.
1: 60 or
4: 16? 60 years.
1: 60 years.
4: Okay, 60 years. 60 years ago. And as a matter of fact, I think during uh Mills Mahama era, you know, people in Oboasi, you know, by a million population in Obwasi depend on mining. And there's no anybody that has the chance to work with AGA. So they do this small small scale mining or galaxy. That is what they survive on. So then we had to develop a plan. Including that time Tony Obin was the CEO for the Minerals Commission. Develop a plan in a way that uh, the indigenous can as well work and make ends meet. So that is the place they were assigned to mine. Far forward, as we speak now, Angulo Dashanti is not even working at that enclave. They have moved from Wawase to Sanso. That is where they are working now. So I think uh, what we need to do is to make sure we find a pragmatic solution on how best we can as well help the indigenous to find their, their bread. So when these things happened, we were able to go there and liaise with the military or whoever was in charge of that operation to be lenient there because, as a matter of fact, some of these people have registered with the community mining scheme. They were taken to the police station, and as we speak now, they have been remanded for two weeks. We are all saying we are against Galamsi. But as a matter of fact, this problem is a socio-economic problem. There are no jobs in Obuasi. As a matter of fact, the indigenous also want to acquire license and to mine. and it's all doing in a way to keep Galam saying, why can't we find a solution or find a place for these people to work than to harass them, kill them, or to suppress whatever they are, they are trying to do?
1: How many people were arrested?
4: Uh, they arrested over 40 people and then um, they took them to the police station in Oboise and they have taken them to court and they have been remanded. So the association, we were able to uh, get them a legal representative to see how best, you know, uh, we can solve this problem. As a matter of fact, Anglo good Ashanti has been in Oboise over, over a decade and we, they, we have a very good uh, working relationship with them. So even if uh in so doing we, we want to limit their activities, why can't we understand the problem so that we'll give them an apportioned uh, concession so that these people can also get their their daily bread to, to, to feed their families? Because you can't stay in a community and the community is owned by a foreign company or owned by some people, at the end of the day you can you can't as well uh, get your daily bread. That's something that, you know, we all have to uh, talk, uh, we all have to uh, point so that at least government in its quest to help solve this currency problem. At least we can also make sure that the indigenous benefit, wood as well benefit. Because an abandoned pit that has been left over 60 years. And these people will just go and get something near to feed their, 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 their family shouldn't go through this or that. So we are only pleading that uh, Minister uh, Abu uh, uh, Jinapo should as well uh, step his foot on the, on the, on the, on the ground so that we can find a lasting solution to the problem. 2015, uh, we had a plan, a redevelopment plan, when these people were at the same place mining. They were supposed to be moved from uh, Wawase to Sanso. That was when Anglubu Ashanti had shut down operations. As we speak now, where it was allocated for the indigenous, that is where Anglubu Ashanti is working now. So if you want to help them, you don't tie their hands at their, at their back. And that is what is, is making these people as well put the, the law into their own hands in, in their quest to survive.
1: You explained that they were assigned the area where they were arrested. Or court who assigned them that area
4: i think um 2015-2016 government had a plan with us that okay they know that um we the, the indigenous need to survive the community needs to survive because a population over two million that is what you know they they, they depend on so when anglobo Santi went to recession and the the company had folded their their operations we had to sit down with government because people had already put their laws into their own hands and they were mining, uh, in a very un- un- unsustainable manner. So, government started down with us, including the MCU of, of Obuasi by then. To, okay, in a way, have people from Minas Commission to help us to mine in the safest, in, in, in safest, safe, uh, methods. And in so doing, they will they would, Get a very good place for the miners so that later on we can re- we can, we can remove them from where they are to the place that the Minerals Commission has assigned to this small scale miners. So it was something the government was aware. That time, Oni uh, was the Minister of Lands and Natural Resources. So we can as well go into the archives and then find out what I'm talking about.
1: So this is not something recent um, they have uh, they did. It's something they've been doing over a it's period of time. It's something they've been
4: doing. It's over over sixty years now, and it's nothing new. So we were surprised when the military went there with brute force and they were harassing these people as if they are criminals. These people are not criminals. As a matter of fact, if today you should go to Obuasi, you 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 see that that is what their their livelihood depends on. So that is not a news in Oboase. So we don't understand all of a sudden the military will go there and act in that manner. If we really want to, 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 to use the law, I don't think that is the, uh, the, 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 the situation we should put these people in.
1: There have it's been allegations government... of torture. There have been allegations of torture yes. against yes. these people who are arrested. Is there something you can confirm?
4: Yes, some of them are in the hospital. What happened to them? When the military were using their their own force, when they, they were beating them, when they were made to lie in in in, what, in in the mud and all, these people had to go through all this ordeal in order to, 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 to survive. And in so doing, as we speak now, they have been remanded by some are in hospital now. And if it if, if it is going to continue, I don't think it's going to auger well for Angulo Shanti. because you can't starve the people. And at the end of the day, you get them to be, be friendly with you. We are all against what we are, but in so doing, why don't we find a place? If if these abandoned pets that you don't even use, you don't mind there, your people don't live there now. They have moved to a different location. And these people want to mine there. Why can't the Midlands Commission and Anglo-Goda sit down, draw a plan so that we can relocate these people, and they will mine in a professional way? By so doing, we use the military to harass them, kill them, and to suppress them. That That, that is something that is, 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 is so bad. And we, we should all also speak against what is happening and what this uh, company has put in our, our people to
1: have you been able to speak to some of the affected persons? Um, you indicated that you are getting them legal representation, but have you um, spoken to them? And what have they been telling you, if you have?
4: Uh, we know them already. When we met them at the police station, you know, that is something they've been doing. It's not a new place or it's not something that is, a, it, 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 not, there's not a secret in Noguase. That's Site 14. It's where we know that our people go there in order to get their daily <laughs> bread. So when they met the military, they were even surprised because now Angola Shanti don't mine in that town. They are relocated. Before they used to use shaft to 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 mine. Now there is an underground uh, system of mining that they even use cars to enter these these pits. So that abandoned place, you know, they don't even have anything to do there. Okay, so we we're surprised. All of a sudden, they had to come there and attack uh, our, our 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 members.
1: Government is at war against illegal mining, or galamse, as it's popularly called. Anglo Gold Ashanti is not mining there again. Once government has deployed military personnel to deal with the issue of issues of illegal mining. Um, where the the people are mining, is it a place that's affecting the water bodies that will eventually affect the community on a whole? That's why the military picked them up from where they are, because it's destroying um, the environment?
4: My sister, where they are mining, there is no water body over there. It's an underground cave. Okay? It's, an, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pit that they dug, right? And uh, let's say they used to go into the pit with with, with with shafts, right? And these people were able to, you know, create a different method in also going through this shaft. They don't destroy any water bodies.
1: What about the it lungs?
4: No, the, no, this is an underground, like what the Anglo people are doing. It's an underground work. So the stones underground is what they are bringing out. And at the end of the day, they will just uh, try and extract the growth from these rocks. So it's not like they are destroying with excavators or they are destroying the water bodies with uh, the, the chemicals, like what people are talking about. These people only go and bring rocks from the from shaft, and then they, 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 they will just uh, break them into pieces. Then they will extract the wood from these rocks.
1: Based on your interaction um, and your engagement following the arrest, have you been able to tell upon whose instructions these people were arrested?
4: I think it was from the uh, company. Uh, they are stationing some uh, military people over there. And uh, from our checks and our information, I think it was an order from Anglo Goda Shanti.
1: Have you engaged Anglo Goda Shanti?
4: We have a couple of times, but they, they, they have been reluctant to meet us. So They see us as enemies. Why? Because... They are engaging in their large-scale operations, and they feel like our people who are engaging in small-scale mining are impediment on their uh, activities. So, anytime we also initiate, you know, a dialogue, they don't show up, and it has been that for a decade now.
1: All right. Thank you so much for your time, Kojo Pepra. He's the national president of the Consent Small-Scale Miners Association. Let me speak to Francis Anto. He's a secretary of the Oboasi Youth Community Mining Association. They have um, held a series of press conferences because they want Anglo Gold Ashanti um, to provide some form of jobs for the youth. Last week, I understand they had a similar um, press conference. Thanks for joining us, Francis. Hello, Francis. Hello. Hello, Francis. Yes, madam. Yes, please. Okay. So um, I, I believe you've heard about some of um, your um, indigents who have been arrested um, last weekend. Yes, please. You've heard about it. Okay. Now, y- we understand you also have some peculiar problems with Anglo-Gold Ashanti. What exactly do you want them to do with, when it comes to their job? Thank you, jobs? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your question.
4: Thank you very much. Once we organized a peaceful demonstration on the 21st of last month and we have only two things on our petition that we are requesting from the company. First of it all is about employment about from the indigence of Obuase. The company is not employing the people of Obuase and we don't know why if they have any reasons for not employing the use order. The in, in the case of Abwasi, have have we don't have any reasons from We've not gotten any reason from them. And our second problem is there's this abandoned area that the company is no more working there. So we were asking for the management team and our stakeholders for them to engage them so that they can release those abandoned areas for us to operate as community miners these are the only two things that we are requesting from the company.
1: Do you have the expertise to work for Anglo Gold Ashanti?
4: Please come in again.
1: I'm asking if you have the know-how and expertise to work, what you're asking Anglo Gold Ashanti to employ you to do.
4: If Anglewood are sent to employ the youth of Obwase, we don't think there is any department in Anglewood that you, you may not find someone in Obwase that can work there. I think, no
1: sorry, I didn't get that.
4: I said, if Anglewood are sent to employ the indigenous of Obwase, I don't think there is any department in the company that you may not get somebody from Obwase or an Indigenous from Obwase to work there.
1: So are you saying that as he speaks now, nobody from your town is working for them?
4: Oh, I, we cannot say nobody from our town is working for them. There are a lot of people who are working for them. But as we know, at first, there were a lot of people being employed by the company. We, they were having about 15,000 to 16,000 workers before the mining collapsed, and then after the reopening of the mining. Now, if you can verify, they have the workers that they have now is not even up to 3,000. Okay. The record that they are having now is not even up to 30,000. Meaning they cannot employ all the people of Oboasa all the indigents, or the use of Obuasa. If the company cannot employ all the indigents, or all the use of Obuasa, then our next problem is there is this abandoned area that the company is no more working there and can employ over 20,000 people, 20,000 use of Obuasa. So So why don't they sit down with the people of Abwasi, the leaders of the association, and then find a way so we can fashion out good modalities for them to work, and then there will be peace between the company and the indigenous of Abwasi.
1: Is Anglo Gold still making claim to that piece of land that they are not working on?
4: You said, are they making claim that the land belongs to them or written?
1: Yes. Yeah. So that you cannot go close to it to do any work?
4: they felt around the place that that's where we've been working for over 15 years. We've been working there for over 15 years now.
1: You had a demonstration last month. Have you engaged authorities of Anglo-Gold Ashanti?
4: Anyway, on the day that we demonstrated, we gave a petition to the Honorable MC, who is Elijah Dansebona. We gave a petition to Honorable DC, uh, Faustina Enisa. And then we went federally to the management of Anglo-Gold and then gave them our petition. But up till date, nobody has ever called us to talk about our petition. Not the MCE, not the DC, and not even the Angle Board Management itself.
1: But have you followed up?
4: For now, I I can tell you no, we have not followed that.
1: So if you haven't followed up and they are not responding, it means there's still something that has to be covered. So why don't you follow up? On the request, and yeah, petition that
4: we, are, you made. We, we are definitely going to do that because on the day of our demonstration, when our MC had our petition, he talked and told us that we should give him two weeks for him to also channel the petition through the regional minister. Right. So from there, we will know our next line of action. And we waited for the two weeks, we didn't hear anything. Last week, we had a meeting, so we decided to give them a month. And the month ends today, as you all know. So maybe from tomorrow going we will start approaching them so that we will know what how, is next.
1: how is this affecting the youth in Oboase as in the lack of jobs and you not <laughs> getting access to what
4: that, that's you, a very, that's a very uh, big problem in Oboase now. Because the youth are now engaging themselves into some unlawful acts which we, really the leaders of the association, are not in good terms with that. Some are now drunkards. Some are been engaging themselves into a lot of things. Vary. From today, you will hear that there's robbing going on in Oboise. You, women cannot work at night. You cannot work alone at night. Somebody will stab you with a knife or something and then take your belongings. There are so many unlawful latitudes going on in Oboase because of joblessness.
1: Is this going to solve the problem when you get um, Anglo Gold Ashanti to give you some of their concession? Will it solve the problems in Oboase?
4: I can surely tell you, if these abandoned areas are given to the people of Oboase, it can solve almost 80 to 90% of our problem in Oboase. I can confidently tell you that. Because if you can verify from the security agencies, during 2010, 2011, 2012, that this work was going on, you will never have these kind of attitudes in Obuase. The security situation in Obuase will be greatly, was greatly minimized. But today, what is happening in Oboase? There are a lot of things going on which is unlawful, which is on, even uncalled for because the youth are not getting jobs. There's hardship in Oboase.
1: All right. Thank you so much for speaking to us. <coughs> Francis Anto is a secretary of Oboase Youth Community Mining Association. This is still eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. Still to come, the MPP in Parliament um, has been expressing disappointment over which hands in allegations. It was leveled against the MP4, Abena, Sarah Binyasara, in a Facebook post that she made um, over the weekend um, after the New Patriotic Party national elections. We'll be telling you what she said and the reactions from the majority in Parliament.
0: Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash city 97.3. Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash city 973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city 973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
2: You're welcome back to Eyewitness News. Let's bring you one of our headline stories. And the new patriotic party in parliament is disappointed in the member of parliament for Dom Kwabinya Ajoa Safo for accusing the caucus of political witch hunting. The seat of the MP may be declared vacant if the plenary votes for the motion following her refusal to appear before the Privileges Committee. But in a statement on Facebook, the absentee Member of Parliament accused her side in the House and the elements of the party of political vendetta. In an interview with City News, Majority Leader Osechi Mensabunsu indicated that he is surprised by the comments of Adrasafo as the leadership has shielded her than any other person
4: cabinet, in the house, within the circles of the party, if there's one person who has held strongly for Ajua, it is me. And all people know that I've been doing that. Because Ajua served under me as a deputy leader uh, in the first time of uh, the Kupo Adoza administration. And she was, as far as I'm concerned, she was diligent in what she she was doing. That is why I've tried to hold the thought for her. Including even engaging uh, the mother and the father. on a When Adua went and eventually she went in August, you remember. And didn't come back. The first meet the last meeting of the first session. She didn't come back. When she had assured that she'll be coming back when Parliament resumes in October. She didn't come back until December. Even that took a lot of persuasion. And on daily basis, I was engaging her before eventually she came down. And when she did come down, the very day she did come down, I arranged to meet her because I knew having traveled down to require some resources. And I met her. And uh, we had some discussions with the special assistant. And need something to keep her surviving. We did all these things. I mean, from my own personal resources, and I know the relationship between Joy and I. So we did all these things to accommodate her. And when she was about to go back, well, in communication with her, but even the day when she came we had to be in Parliament, coming to Parliament was a difficulty. When she had come to Ghana and went to the house, when we needed her in Parliament, she wouldn't come. I had to send my driver and my security detail to go and fetch a door. And when they went, they had to stay outside. They were kept outside her gate for quite a while before eventually they opened the gate for them to go inside and bring her down. I've done all this for Ajoa, going back, when she had to go back. We know Parliament was in, to resume on, I think, the 18th of January. the, the decision on the E-Lady was inconclusive, we wanted to do it early to the following year, that is 2022. And we have intended to uh, come back, was it 18th or 19th? I think eventually we resumed on the 26th or so of January. One more week. Now, you are going back, promise that she'll be coming back. She didn't come. And after me, she hasn't come. I've been engaging her all this while. But over the past, and some even when I was engaging her, sometimes she go off for about one week. You, you you want to chat with her, she'll not engage. But I kept banging, and then she'll come back. Not being the communication between Azra and myself. I mean, I'm at pains to relate these details because she's now saying that leadership has not been backing here and that we have been witch hunting her. I'm surprised. And I think it's the most unfortunate and regrettable statement for Majua. And all this while for the past two and a half months I've not been engaging. Yes. I've not been engaging because I've sent numerous messages. Over over twenty messages to Ajua the past four months that she has not responded to. So I decided, okay, then let me hold my phone. In the meantime, when she had to appear before the appointment committee, uh, the first time when she didn't show up, the second time when she said she was going to appear, is said through June. It was me that she sent the social assistant to communicate the message to me. And I relayed to the chairman of the committee. And I asked her to relay to the chairman of the committee herself. She declined to do that. But upon my word, they set up and they got in touch with the special assistant who confirmed what she had told me. They set up and wanted to have her word and really interrogate her if she has July. I declined to offer himself. So what else should we be doing or should do we not be doing?
2: Now, Seche however, described as unconstitutional the decision by the Privileges Committee to refer the decision on Adrosa to the plenary.
4: The Privileges Committee has afforded her opportunity through every means to appear and she hasn't. She has refused to appear herself, to respond. So, the determination of the consequence rests on the Privileges Committee, as the the imperative of Article 97, and for the privileges committee to make a determination, and once the determination is made, the consequences shall uh, follow. Is,
6: is is this matter on the business of the house in this coming week? Because we know the privileges committee has pushed the decision to the plenary.
4: I'm not sure what you're saying, because that is not what the the Constitution provides. That is it will be unconstitutional for the privileges committee to push it to plenary. Because that is not what the the, the constitution provides. Some it's
6: members a, of the committee have told persons in the media that that is a resolution that they've agreed upon that the plenary would decide. You're saying that would the plenary ask them to go back and take a decision? It
4: doesn't it doesn't lie on any member of the committee to say that let's breach the constitution. I'm talking about the imperative of a uh, constitution we are doing that some members of the uh, the, uh, the community are doing that uh, to be, they have regrets that to go to the parliament. It doesn't it doesn't lie with the committee members to so determine or so resolve. The constitution is clear in Article 97. It says a member of parliament shall vacate his seat in parliament and if he is relevant, if he is absent, without the permission in writing of the speaker, and unable to offer a reasonable explanation to the the parliamentary committee on privilege from 15 seconds of a meeting of parliament during any period of parliament has been summoned to to meet and continue to meet. So, they are not on the committee to make that determination, not plenary. And, once that is done, um, next. The next step is subject in, um, in Article 102 of the Constitution, which provides uh, that um, um, once there once is the a victory in Parliament, that is, after Article 97, the lack of Parliament, is the one who should do the communication to the letter commission for the necessary sticker to take place. So that is what it is. In fact, it is Article 104. It says, Once the, back the vacancy occurs in Parliament, the contract to Parliament shall notify the letter commission in writing within seven days after the vacancy occurs, and the violation shall be held within 30 days after the vacancy occurs. So the constitution is clear.
2: The, the, they think when the committee makes the determination, not when makes the determination. So here the majority leader, Seichi Mensah
1: Sabunsu. And he was speaking in that interview with Hansen Ajiman of the City Newsroom. Inu Sa is a former Tamale Central Member of Parliament and a former ranking member on Parliament's constitutional, legal, and parliamentary affairs. Good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us on Eyewitness News. Let me pick your thoughts on what the majority majority leader spoke about, the constitutionality of making a decision. Should the Privileges Committee make the decision and defer to the plenary, or they defer to the plenary to make a decision on address Safo? Well, uh,
4: the, uh, the Privileges Committee makes the decision. But and but also in their report there should be a recommendation to the speaker to declare the seat vacant and and direct the clerk to inform the electoral commission accordingly.
1: So in this case where we have been told um last week um that um a decision has been taken on Kennedy Jepong and Henry Corte, but that of Ajua Safo will be left for the plenary to decide. It's unconstitutional.
4: No, there's not nothing for the plenary to disca- decide. There's nothing. I mean, the Constitution doesn't shy away from giving responsibility to a committee to make a decision. And the clear case that I've cited all, uh, all this while is the Finance Committee's decision on an application by the finance minister to use the contingency fund. That is the sole preserve of the Finance Committee. But the Finance Committee, after it arrives at at a decision, will have to inform the House of that decision. And so the Privileges Committee is the committee that has been named in the Constitution Article 97.1c, to assess the reasonableness of the explanation of an MP who has absented him or herself from the House for 15, certain days in a meeting. It is the Privileges Committee, and that's what the Constitution says.
1: Now, what do you make of the public's part between, say, the committee chair and members of the minority um, who have opposing views?
4: It's a needless political bickering. The Constitution names the Privileges Committee and not the chairman of the Privileges Committee. So what should happen in a parliamentary process is that that committee makes a decision and not the chairman of the committee. And when that committee makes a decision It informs the plenary of its decision in the case of Article 97, 1C, that the member's seat be declared vacant because of lack of reasonable explanation, and then recommends to the Speaker to
7: declare the seat vacant.
1: Okay. Um, Let me pick your thoughts. If you are still a member or a ranking member on the constitutional, um, no, if you are a member of the Privileges Committee and you had this case before you, um, what will be your decision based on the happenings with Ms. Safo?
4: Well, um, I am not the, a member of Parliament, and so I cannot be I, a I, member I get it. of <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just
1: asking, <laughs> yeah.
4: It's, it's conjecture, and then, so it uh, would be far fetched to put myself in that role. What I'm saying is that looking at what is happening, you see, I just have must not only be looking at Article 971 c Article 971 d is also very instructive, where a member of parliament can be expelled from. Parliament is found guilty by a committee of Parliament to have treated Parliament with contempt. Article 971D. And so, I mean, I don't know why, why everybody's focusing on Article 971C. Because, I mean, probably because she absented itself. But if Parliament comes to the conclusion that the honorary member for the Dominic Corbynian seat is treating Parliament with contempt and finds her behaviour to be contemptuous of Parliament. She could be expelled from Parliament under Article 97.1d.
1: So her explanations, um, and interestingly, she's been writing a lot on Facebook, trying to tell her side um, of the story, her explanations as to having personal issues and private issues she is dealing with will not suffice here.
4: Look, you see, the, the problem that I fail to appreciate from Ajua Safo is simple this there is no law that prevents a member of parliament from leaving parliament for more than 15 days to attend personal issues except that that member of parliament must have the permission of his or her cause and the permission of the speaker so yes a might have personal issues i don't doubt that but she ought to take advantage of the legal regime That allows her to leave
1: parliament for as long as her personal issues persist. In this case, she cannot be seen
4: to be treating parliament with impunity.
1: The majority leader has indicated that he has tried all he can in his personal capacity to get her to um, speak to her, even on the matter, with a recent. Um, um, issue with the privileges committee to even hear her side of the story, all to no avail.
4: Yes, so just like in the courts, because of the requirements of the principles or doctrine of natural justice that says that you must hear the other party before you condemn that party. It is important that Whoever is to be punished, penalized, or in any way sanctioned must first be listened to. So an opportunity should be given to that person to tell his or her side of the story. And so the requirements of natural justice is embedded in Article 97.1c. That is why there is the need for an MP who violates the 15 days rule to appear before the Privileges Committee to give an explanation. It is because of the requirements of natural justice. Now, if an opportunity is given to that member to appear before the committee to state reasons why he or she has flouted the requirements of Article 971C, and that member fails, refuses, or neglects to take advantage of that opportunity, then the requirements of natural justice will have been met.
1: Thank you so much for your time, um, Honourable Unisa fusaini um, He's a former Tamil Central MP and former ranking member on Parliament's Constitutional, Legal, and Parliamentary Affairs Committee. Let's speak to someone who is very close to the Member of Parliament for Dome Benya, Nana Dubing. His name came up when the Majority Leader was speaking to Hans Najman in that interview. He's a Special Assistant to Honourable Adjua Safo. Good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us.
4: Yeah, good evening. Yeah.
1: How often do you... C- can you please lower the volume on your set?
4: Yes, yes, I'll done that.
1: Okay. How often do you reach... Um, Madam ajwa safo
4: wow <laughs> well that, that's a, a tough question um, um let me say that mother uh, well when uh, she uh, wants some-
1: now to the issue of her absenteeism um yeah. parliament had indicated that they wanted to reach her to get her side of the story because the privileges committee um, had been um, taxed to look into the absenteeism yeah. of three MPs. But yeah. Madame Safo was nowhere to be found. In fact, they had to even publish it in the dailies. There was no response. A Zoom mm-hmm. link was sent to her. She didn't respond. Is it that she didn't see it or she's just on consent?
4: Um, it will be very difficult um for me to say that um, she is um, unconcerned, and um, finding out from, uh, let's say that I was in touch with the um, the committee, the clerk of the committee, in trying to reach out to her for her to do um, to meet the privileges committee um, on the day that the meeting was supposed to happen. Um, at that particular time, I was unable to reach her. And um, I indicated that to the clerk of, of the committee that my um, was unable to reach her at that particular time for, for the Zoom meeting.
1: What reason did she give to you after you reached her on she not responding to the privileges committee?
4: Oh, It's it's not her intention not to um, respond to the call from the Privileges Committee. And even after that day, uh, I have personally been in touch with a clerk of the committee regarding finding uh, another appropriate time that is conducive for her and for the committee for that meeting to, to, to happen.
1: They had a set time and a set date to do uh, their interrogations or interactions, that has elapsed. Um, Are you saying that you have now gotten in touch with her and she has willingly given the committee a time she wants to be heard?
4: No, the discussion hasn't gotten there yet. I'm saying that I have been in touch with the clerk of the committee Um, so that we can find out the time that the committee can be ready and then she also can be ready for the meeting to happen.
1: Is she willing
4: to speak to the committee? Yes, um, she's willing to speak to the committee. I I do not think um, she has anything um, that is stopping her from reaching out or, or meeting the committee. She's very willing.
1: She also made some posts um, following the MPP's recently held national, um, uh, national executive elections and she yeah. made some um, accusations or leveled accusations against her party members and her colleagues in parliament accusing them of witch hunting. Did the majority leader at any point reach out to you to get through to her on this issue?
4: Um, our relationship with the majority leader, uh, Honorable Ossetia Mr. Bouncy, is a very good and a solid one. Um, over the last, uh, close to a year now, uh, we have been interacting and working together as far as uh, my boss's absence is concerned. So yes, we have interacted several over the period. Um, yes, so yes, he, he's reached out several times. When
1: was the last yes, time he reached out to you?
4: Uh, the last time we spoke uh, will be about uh, two or three weeks ago, if I am not mistaken.
1: Was he if able to get mistaken. through to Adra
4: Um No, I actually reached out to him to deliver a message. From who? Uh, from my boss.
1: Because he explains that for the last two months he hasn't heard from her.
4: Um, yes, so I, I I delivered a message to him. From who? From my boss. From one of our So
1: three weeks ago, she spoke to him or sent you a message. Why is no, she not yes. Why is she not uh-huh. interacting with him on that level? Are there issues?
4: No, there are no issues as far as I, I am concerned. So
1: why is she not reaching out to him? personally, when Um, she has his contact?
4: um, I wouldn't be able to speak to that, in all honesty. I will not be able to uh, speak to why she would want to um, send a message through me to be delivered.
1: When is your boss coming to town?
8: Uh,
4: (laughs) Oh, I can tell you that uh, she will be in town very soon.
1: That's what you said about four months ago, soon. In four, yes. man, four months later we still haven't uh, seen her
4: um yes but um, um she will be in town very soon let's give ourselves a, um, just a bit of time she will she will be in town
1: how concerned is she about the things happening especially with her in parliament how worried is she or how is she taking these issues
4: Um, naturally, uh, everybody will be worried. Everybody will be concerned uh, with all that is happening because um, uh, on a daily basis, it is uh, one issue uh, after the other. And um, as she indicated in uh, a recent interview that she had, it is not because she wants to be away from her responsibilities as a member of parliament and as a minister of state. It is uh, one issue or the other that has kept her away. And um, she indicated that uh, as soon as she's able to wrap things up, she will definitely rush down and then continue with her work as MP and Minister.
1: Thank you for speaking to us, Nana Dubin. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nana Dubin is a special assistant to the Member of Parliament for Sarah Ajwa Safo. And he's been speaking on her absenteeism in Parliament. And he explains that she will be available in the country soon. Let's take you to some other stories.
2: And in other stories government has laid a commercial agreement in Parliament for the construction of the Swami Interchange and ancillary works. The agreement has been referred to the Finance Committee of Parliament for consideration and report after it was laid by a deputy minister for finance, Abna Oseasari. This comes barely twenty four hours after residents almost a tagged Member of Parliament for the area and the Majority Leader, Oseichi Men Sabonzu, over the poor nature of the roads. Here are aspects of what transpired in Parliament today.
1: Commercial facility agreements between the government of the Republic of Ghana, represented by the Ministry for Finance, and Dutch Bank SAE, as Arranger, Structuring Bank, mandated this Arranger in agent,
4: for an amount of one million million, to finance the design and construction of
9: it is one of the Swami Interchange and Auxiliary Works Project at Kumasi, Republic of Ghana. Honorable members the report is duly presented. It is referred to the Finance Committee for consideration. And report.
2: So here there, the second Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Andrew Amakuasiama, and the excerpts of what ha- happened or transpired on the floor of Parliament today. Now. Let's still stay on this particular subject because artisans at the Swami magazine in the Ashanti region have expressed reservations over government's assurances of constructing an interchange at the Swami roundabout. The Member of Parliament for the area, Men Mensabunzu, has reiterated that plans are far advanced to ensure work commences on the project by September this year. But following what they describe as series of unfulfilled promises, the residents want the government to show true commitment in ensuring that the project is indeed constructed. Speaking to City News, they also called on government to address other concerns, such as getting the Swami Magazine area a clinic, fire station, among other things.
7: touching, you know how many it's going to take. The cost, the immense, have been plan of anything else. Even this road, we had to demonstrate, we have to cause trials here and there before it gets being fixed. If they say they are going to fix the interchange for us, we are currently okay with it. We are not against it. But the issue is, it should be done at the point in time when we needed it.
0: Because currently, our
7: issues to be addressed, the interchange is not part. If they are going to construct the interchange, it should be done on time, without causing much problems than this has already caused to us.
0: Because fly Interchange has been
7: semi-constructed for several years and left abandoned. We don't want the same situation over here. Change always helps. Adaptation also always helps. If they put up a structure
8: that
7: we see that this structure is going to foster our business and our economic activities, we wouldn't stop them from doing it. Either than that, they shouldn't temper our business. We are okay with this traditional Business until they put up a tender which is very good for us, that we see they're going to deliver a very good economic atmosphere for us. That one we will follow them. Other than that, they will come at the whole process here. Several markets have been collapsed and have been built. Growth road markets, the same thing, other markets around the business the same thing. We are okay doing our business here. If they want to develop it to another standard, they should put it before us. Let us know how it's going to help before they temper us. Other than that, we are perfectly okay doing our business here.
2: So, here there, an artisan at the Somme magazine in the Shanti region speaking on that subject. Away from that, the Member of Parliament for Commander Edna Eguafua Brim um, Samuel Atta Mills has accused the Atam Mills Institute and the Coastal Development Authority of tampering with a tomb of former President Mills without recourse to the family. According to him, the act, of, the act is culturally offensive and the family does not recognize this supposed institute doing as it pleases with the remains of the late president at the Asumji Park. In a few days, 10 years after the passing of the late president, will be marked Samuel Atta Mills addressed the press in Parliament.
10: Apparently, a group calling itself Atta Institute, that the family doesn't recognize, and Coastal Development Authority have gone to break this uh, grave of President John Evans Atta Mills. They have removed the tomb, and what they've done is they claim. That they are rebuilding it. Now my question is this. We have traditions. Why would you go and take somebody's, touch somebody's grave without informing the family? Now the question I want to ask is this. Now that you've gone to touch it, is the body still in that grave? What did you put in that grave? What kind of rituals did you perform over there? Why would you go and touch the grave without informing us? Who has the body now? And that is a question that I want to ask Ghanaians: Who has the body now? Coastal Development Authority. Under whose authority did you do this? Why do you always want to make us go through grief every time? Now you allow someone like Kuku and Idoho, working with um, Atenos Institute, so-called, to go and touch this grave without informing our family head. This is a former president. Why would the government allow this to happen? This is an insult to the family. This is an insult to we, the Akans. This is an insult to the nation. My goodness.
2: So, you have there uh, the Member of Parliament for Commander Edina Egrafo Igraf- Abirim in the Central Region, Samuel Atamels, who is also the brother to the late former President John Evans Atamels.
1: Stay with 97.3 CTFM. We have the business news up next. After that, will be
0: Eyewitness news. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. details. Every significant financial. Transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
5: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Linette. Let's settle for the details. Ahead of the Monetary Policy Committee meetings of the Bank of Ghana, economist Karit Bouti, has opined that a committee should maintain the current monetary policy rate despite calls by other stakeholders to increase it to stem inflation. Although the country's inflation rate increased to 29.8% in June, the 2.2 percentage points gap compared to what was recorded the previous month comes as the lowest increase recorded since February. Karij Boti speaking to City Business News attributed the slowdown in the inflation curve compared to previous months as the reason for his proposal.
0: I
11: expect the Bank of Ghana to hold their policy rate at the current level of 19%. Now, I think, yes, inflation has increased since the last hike and continued to rise. But the trend emerging seems to suggest that the slope of the inflation curve is just about to reach a point of inflection. And probably in the next two or three frames, we'll see inflation at its peak. Why do I say so? You look at the month-on-month inflation rate, it has softened from, I think, levels around 5.1 or so percent now. And you see the month-on-month changes in the headline, I think that has also softened all the way to 2.2% after the last print from around a little above 4% in April. So it appears that if you look at the slope, uh, you look at the month-on-month changes, Inflation may have peaked in April, and it's just a matter of time the headline will also reach a peak, which seems to come, I believe, somewhere in August. Now, if that is the case, the monetary policy authorities will feel vindicated that their policies seem to have been in inflation, that at this point the rate of increase on a monthly basis seems to be slowing down. On that call, they will probably want to allow what they've done, the 450 basis point high over the first half year, to think in the market properly.
5: Karage Booty is an economist with GCB Capital Limited. Some stakeholders in the agricultural sector are urging government to desist from using legislation to compel banks to lend to players within the agricultural value chain. This comes on the back of recent remarks by the Minister of Food and Agriculture to the effect that the banking sector has not been lending enough to the country's agricultural sector to support its transformation. But in an interview with City Business News CEO of the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana, Anthony Morrison, called for more engagement with the banks and the provision of better guarantee systems to protect banks. Let me tell
12: you, the banks are in the business of doing business, okay? Uh, The banks, if there are money... And the agriculture is so lucrative as it is already, and because the banks are saying that the risk factor, so they are not able to uh, give us credit. What is good, or the best thing you expect of the minister to engage the banks and provide some guarantee measures? You see, when there is there are guarantees for access to credit, it's easy. It's not to force the banks. And let me. Uh, remind you that the banks uh, in the lending approach, if they have, I mean, a lot of funds sitting down and the industry is so lucrative, they'll give money. They'll look at the guarantee systems and they'll look at uh, what we are providing in terms of market assurance and insurance policies. As you speak, these are the challenges we are facing. You expect a minister who would then look at the fact that, okay, what innovative guarantee systems can we bring on board?
5: Anthony Morrison is the CEO of the Chamber of Agribusiness, Ghana. Digitalization is fast gaining ground in Ghana as many agencies and businesses are adapting to it accordingly. Some unscrupulous persons are, however, taking advantage of some loopholes that present themselves as a result of digitalization to commit cyber crimes and also defraud people in diverse ways. In line with this, government and other stakeholders are being urged to deliberately invest in training internal auditors and IT professionals on the management of technology-associated risk, there's more in the following report by our Bureau Chief for the Middle Belt, Edward Opong mafu
13: Despite the ease of doing business through virtual platforms and the numerous opportunities technology offers, there are some inherent vulnerabilities that should be critically looked at. E-Crime Bureau has thus stressed the need to pay serious attention to this. Speaking to City Business News, Philip Deborah Dankwa, the acting principal consultant at E-Crime Bureau, says internal auditors and IT professionals at various agencies and departments should be well-trained to prevent risks that have the potential of affecting businesses negatively. We can recognize that technology can have its own inherent vulnerabilities. So for internal auditors, the question is how do we equip them to also advise management, also advise the boards you know, that they report to on some of the risk exposures and what they need to be doing. And also on the side of the people that we have entrusted technology into, the end users, the IT professionals that you know ensure that the systems are well-implemented the solutions are working as they should. They need to be aware that they ought to be subjected to some audits at some point. So, from both the internal and the external audit perspective, um, cybersecurity is very key to their operations. He is hopeful that a training his outfit is offering, some internal auditors, will yield fruits. He is, however, urging government to see the need. To equip internal auditors, especially as it is championing a digitalization agenda. By and large, for stakeholders, especially for government, that is driving a lot of digitalization. We know we have a lot of policy, we have the laws in place because now we have a Cybersecurity Act, the 1038, which is, which is fully implemented by the Cybersecurity Authority. It's important that the stakeholders also understand the context within which technology should work, especially taking into consideration the laws that have been put in place. Once we know the regulations. Once we know the law, once we know the technology, once we know the systems and people, we are able to put all these things together to ensure that our cyberspaces are safe.
5: Acting principal consultant of the e crime bureau, Philip Deborah Dankwa, ending that report. And finally, Ghana's micro, small, and medium sized enterprises sector is set to witness a major boost as the United Nations Industrial Development Organization, UNIDO, and the government of Japan have signed an agreement to enhance the competitiveness of MSMEs. The $3.4 million project is part of efforts to support the country's industrialization drive. Fakruddin Azizi is the Unidos representative for Ghana and Liberia and he spoke to the media on the sidelines of the signing ceremony.
8: Today, we do not know when the global pandemic will be over, when we as a human, humanity will bring an end to these wars around the world. But regardless of global situation, thousands of Ghanaian micro, small and medium enterprises are operating today in in Ghana and producing products and services for the people of Ghana and the world, serving the country as a main engine of economic growth and job creation. The project that we will be launching soon will support micro, small and medium enterprises in Ghana in their productivity performance and to become more competitive, more resilient to the challenges that they will be facing. And Kaizen is the right methodology, philosophy and mentality that will help the Ghanaian enterprises become more competitive and sustainable and also resilient. The project is committed to enhance the capacity of Ghanaian Enterprise Agency, an entity that is working under the Ministry of Trade and Industry. And we will also be reaching out hundreds of Ghanaian MSMEs to introduce Kaizen approach in their production side. The project will introduce a digital tool so that the enterprises will be able to measure their production performance and improve in a sustainable manner. The project that has been developed in line with the government priorities, and I'm confident that it will contribute to, to the government's ongoing efforts towards achieving its development objectives.
5: Fakhruddin Azizi is the UNIDO's representative for Ghana and Liberia. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Up next is Point Blank.
0: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
1: Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. On the Point Blank segment tonight, we'll be speaking to the newly sworn in national youth organiser, Salam Mustafa. He has a share of efforts to address concerns of TESCON members nationwide. Now, TESCON presidents across the country have suspended activities following an injunction that disallowed them from voting in the just-ended NPP National Delegates Conference. The party says engagements have been scheduled with interested parties to address concerns of the students. Let's hear from Salam Mustafa, who is a national youth organiser, who at Tescon has some um, representation. And he says that he's confident that such a situation that happened over the weekend will not repeat itself. He spoke with Hanson Ajuman,
6: National Youth Organizer of the New Patriotic Party.
9: Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much, my brother.
6: How, how is it like? Um,
9: is it 48 hours in office? Yeah, about so. About 48 hours running to the uh, third day, 72 hours. You know, so um, so far so good. Is the office any different from what you envisage? Uh, Not really. Not really. You know, I've been a deputy national youth organizer before, so um, unfortunately for me, uh, right after uh, my victory and uh, being sworn into office, I'm thrown uh, into the, the the dungeons by my Tescon presidents and the entire Tescon uh, fraternity over issues that happened at the the conference and I'm trying to resolve them. So, I haven't had any time to rest. Um, I'm trying to get on top of the Tescon issues and uh, put them to rest.
6: Well, these Tescon issues, are you just now hearing of it or did you hear of it during the
9: uh, conference? To be honest, it it started simmering um, during... Um, the process leading up to the election. It started uh, simmering. So I, I was quite aware that there were one or two problems um, as far as compiling the list for Tescon concern is, con- uh, con is concerned. But um, we had candidates meeting, uh, a number of them before the elections, uh, where these matters were um, discussed. But little did I know that there were some intentions to injunct um, the process until... Um, Late Friday night That we got wind That there was some injunction On Tescon Only to get to the stadium in the morning And that it is true That the um, process For Tescon to vote was injuncted And um, quite sadly It it led to The unfortunate incident of uh, Tescon not uh, being able to vote And um, uh, They have since been distraught uh, Not happy which um, I share in in, in their sorrow. Um, Anybody in their um, situation would feel the same, that you journey all the way from Western North, or even Akotombra, from Paga or Bolgatanga, or even Yendi or Tamale, all the way to... Uh, uh, Accra or even from Dambai all the way to Accra to Anankazu only to, to be told that you cannot vote. You will certainly be pained.
6: At this time, do you know who actually went to court to injunct the, their voting?
9: I do. I do. I do. Um, but I I don't want to put that out um, as we try to resolve the matter. But I, I have a fair idea about how the injunction came about. And um, I only hope that we don't ever repeat such a uh, thing again. You see, we are dealing with young people in the party. Um, they may not be as we have been gone through uh, a lot of shake ups, a lot of disappointments. You know? they may not have, and uh, their you know, emotional capacity to handle uh, the fallback of some of these uh, things may, may not be as high as we who have gone through the mill so many uh, so for, 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 for many years. Uh, can contain. So I, I pray and hope that next time we, we don't take such a route. Rather, we engage more um, to ensure that we're able to resolve it amongst ourselves. In Koforidua, there were similar situations, but we we're able to resolve it. So uh, I was quite surprised that we ran to the law court this time round to injunct the whole of test come from voting. I don't think is the right thing to do.
6: So, something that you may have benefited from
9: this. Uh, did you in any way benefit from the unknown voting Unfortunately, no. I was rather, you know, uh, disadvantaged because I was going to get a lot of votes from Tescon, and I, uh, I, 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 I believe that I was going to stretch my my friends and other contenders quite uh, hugely if Tescon were to vote. The margin would have been bigger than we have it now. So I was sad. I, I, I was very sad when um, it came. Uh, to bear that indeed Tesco was not going to vote. And um, like them, I, in the stadium there, a lot of them kept calling, you know, to find out what was actually happening, you know. And um, uh, some, some were at the point of breaking down. And that's how passionate they were about the whole thing. So. No doubt about it. If the election had gone on, I, I would have had majority votes from Tescon, and um, I, I feel disappointed as well that they, they couldn't vote. So uh, it cannot be true that um, I benefited in one way or the other from, from it. I, it, I would rather uh, lost so much. Um, from their inability to vote
6: I've I've seen that you've started engaging them Uh, what really has been the focus of this engagement with the Tesco leaders who have decided to suspend
9: all their activities Um, I think first and foremost the trust was to uh, also explain to them the circumstances that led to the the, um, disenfranchisement because they got to the stadium only to realize that they couldn't vote. They didn't understand why they were allowed to journey all the way from their various locations to the voting venue only to be told that they cannot vote at that point. So now the explanation has to be made to them that this was what transpired uh, for them to understand that they were not deliberately, you know, uh, mishandled. But that um, we also got to the stadium and the Electoral Commission, you know, came with the injunction. And that's when we realized that indeed, uh, truly, an injunction was was, was served on the Electoral Commission not to allow Texcon vote. But at that point, they were already there. And there was nothing that we could do. If we knew that there was such an injunction, I'm sure leadership would have asked them to stay behind uh, wherever they were coming from and not to uh, discomfort them uh, to allow them take such a long journey only to come and uh, be unable to to vote so they're
6: buying the, into this explanation
9: oh we have had a lot of discussions um it's a it's a gamut of issues it's a gamut of issues a lot of things uh, are amalgamated for us to arrive at the point point. and my engagements are showing that we all do have an appreciation of the problem and um, clearly the solutions are also in sight. I would be engaging um, regional youth organizers and uh, also uh, the regional TESCOM coordinators for us to all come in sync and see how to uh, operationalize the solution of the issue and I promise that uh, within the shortest uh, time we, we will resolve this. I don't want this to travel by the end of the month.
6: In, in your problem, in, in your estimation, what is the problem and how can this be handled? Because we saw similar problems in the regional polls. In Ashanti region, it stored polls for some time. In the greater Accra region, it led to near exchange of, 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 of hands or by by some members of of, of, of the NPP.
9: Yeah. yeah, clearly. So like I, I, I said already, I mean, we understand the... The, 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 the challenges that um, occasion this particular problem you know some uh, clearly emanated from the from the region so that 's why I, I, I need to um, have a, a sit down with my regional youth organizers, my regional co- uh, TESCOM coordinators let 's get back to the drawing board and and, and and fix the problem once and for all. We are quite aware of, of the issues you know we need to hold elections for the Tescon um, institutions you know some things th- things just need to, to be done right and we are fine
6: ok how are your contenders taking their defeat have any of them rigged out to you
9: yes almost all you know the interesting thing is that they are all my friends mm. yeah those are contested with they are all my friends uh, I've known Abanga for a while when I became deputy national youth organizer I think he, he had come to Legon and um, he was Tescon uh, organizer you know so I, I got to know him uh, from those days, I think about 2015 thereabouts. Then uh, when I was, again, uh, the deputy national youth organizer, um, Pope Michael Oseb-Watting, was also deputy regional youth organizer to Chairman Abronye. So I had known him also uh, from that period. Then uh, Prince Kamal Guma came to join us from uh, from the U.S. And um, uh, we, 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 we got to know each other, and um, we have since you know, bonded and, you know, um, I have a very uh, nice relationship with them. Prince Guma, you know, visited me yesterday. Uh, He came all the way to my house. Uh, He pledged his support. I also told him that, yeah, I mean, the U.S. doesn't belong to me. It's for all of us. So to get it right is about all of us getting the work done. And so uh, the Dabanga called me. Um, uh, We spoke. Um, Pope uh, on the field came to hug me and also congratulated me so uh we are we are good we are good i don't think that they
6: they, 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 they have expressed um their support to you are you also willing to engage them and to work with them
9: oh uh, certainly certainly uh, in my facebook uh, post, I mentioned that, I mean, after election, there's cooperation, so why not? Everybody's needed, you know?
6: Have any rules in mind you may want them to play?
9: Why not? I mean, this is about building um, the youth wing. It's about building the party. It's about numbers, and um, they are equally part. They are all still under the the youth wing. None of them is out of the youth wing, so once they are part of the youth wing, yeah, we we'll all work together to ensure that uh, the collective interest of the party it's what prevails and that we are able to deliver on the set mandate. For me, the biggest responsibility charged on me and the youth wing is that let's build a strong, a formidable, a capable and an efficient youth wing that can break the aid. And that's exactly what I want to do.
6: Are you willing to say appoint any of them as your deputy? Uh,
9: well, it's a matter that is not within my bosom. Uh, it's a matter for National Council of the Party. Um, so, if, if National Council so deems fit, I mean, um, I, I would not be in any position to um, deny deny that. But let's see how 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 it goes and uh, what National Council comes up with. I'm a party person and. Uh, uh, I'll go whatever with whatever the party says. I w- As,
6: aside addressing concerns of uh, Tescon executives, um, in the coming few months, in your first days in politics, usually the measurement is first hundred days, what should we be expecting from the
9: salam led due to ink? So, we should resolve the Tescon matter. Tescon should be up and firing. Also, I should be able to go around on my thank you tour, meet all... My, my, my youth organisers and deputies again in their regions and also uh, be able to hold uh, my first uh, executive meeting of the youth wing and um, uh, see how we start with some of our first programmes.
1: So that was Salam Mustafa, the newly sworn in national organiser of the new Patriotic Party. That's how we end Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Zoe Abubeidu. i show produced by Sixtus Dong Ulu and Bevelin London with technical assistance from Okla Danzo. <laughs>
0: We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive
8: on Facebook, City97.3 FM and on Twitter at City973.